0: The reason that that I bring that up is that that was in May of 2000. I went to celebrate graduating from college and uh, went over to some people's house that I had done a research paper with. Long story short, ended up back home. I had no idea how I'd gotten home. I had somehow left my underwear along the way. My wife was really upset with me. I <laughs>
1: bet she wasn't happy about and, that. And
0: um, and and the only thing that I could think of in order to kind of get the heat off was I will go to AA. And so my my adult trip into AA began in the summer of two thousand.
1: Hello friends of Bill W and other friends you have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic. We are glad you are all here. Uh, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery and newcomers to Sober Speak. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform for the amazing stories of recovery all around us. As I like to say, real stories, real recovery. Consider Soberspeak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. We welcome all of your comments, and you can contact us in a couple of different ways. You can go to Soberspeak.com, click on the Contact Us tab, and from there, you can contact us in two ways. Number one, you can just leave us an email at feedback at SoberSpeak.com, or you can click on the microphone icon and leave us a message with your thoughts. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Please leave your first name only as we can play back your message during our listener feedback segment, uh, if it is PG rated. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want. Leave the rest at the curb. And keep this in mind, our episode today is brought to you by Don C. Don C. went to the website, Uh, SoberSpeak.com, clicked on the Donate tab and made a contribution. Thank you, Don C., for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. By the way, our previous episode, if you did not get a chance to Listen in was from Greg. Uh, Greg's uh, episode is entitled The Gratitude Man. That is his self-proclaimed moniker. And uh, you can go in and listen to that. There's a mighty good uh, episode. A couple of program notes. We are now available on Google Podcast. If you have a, mm, excuse me, Android phone, uh, it is an app that you can download now. Search for Sober Speak to... Uh, separate words, and you can uh, download our podcast. Also, we are available on Spotify. We've been getting a lot of traffic there lately, and iHeartRadio as well. You can go to Alexa, believe it or not, nowadays and say, Alexa, hey, Alexa, play Spotify, play Sober Speak podcast, and voila, you can do the dishes or whatever you're doing, uh, and you can listen to Sober Speak at the same time. Keep in mind, we're going to have some listener feedback toward the end of this uh, episode today with Chris Yu. You heard, it, you heard Chris Yu in the beginning there. Um, he's going to tell you about his uh, West Texas upbringing uh, to the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous. But that's enough of all that. Enjoy, Chris Yu. Okay, so we are sitting here with Mr. Chris. Yu. hello, Chris. Hey, John. I guess we should uh, talk a little bit real quickly about where we are. So, yes. let, let me just say something real quick. This is my first time recording one of these podcasts with uh, uh, with a ge- with a host with a guest. Excuse me. Um, that is uh, uh, with some. Uh, New equipment that I bought, basically. And so we are not at my regular studios, which is the guest bedroom in my house. <laughs> uh, we are here in Cresta Butte and uh, Cresta Butte, Colorado. Fantastic. For those of you uh, who are not familiar with it, we, talk about this place a little bit, Chris. What do you think about it?
0: I love it. I've, I've been skiing around Colorado for most of my life and uh, but I've, it's my first time in Crested Butte. It still kind of has that small town feel. It's far enough away from Denver that it's not crowded. And yeah. um, but other than that, it's just another beautiful Colorado mountain town. I really love it. We're what ten thousand feet, Ooh, 10, 000, breathe, yeah. ten five something like that. And you right. certainly know that first right. couple of days when you get here,
1: <laughs> your right. breathing is really off, right? Absolutely for us for sea level Texans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I'm looking out behind Chris now, um, and uh, I'm seeing a both a babbling brook and then some of those a- ash trees that mm-hmm. we see and what are, aspen trees. A- mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Aspen mm-hmm. trees mm-hmm. where they glitter. the, the sun glitters mm-hmm. off of them, and they're they're absolutely beautiful. And just so you all know, just in case during the middle of this podcast we're uh, we're in, uh, the condo that me and my family are staying and, uh, you may hear family members, uh, trouncing through the, uh, living room every once in a while, but Chris and I are <laughs> set up here at the kitchen table. Um, Love it. and by the way, I wanted to tell you earlier, I told my daughter that I was going to be doing a recording here, uh, in mm. our living room slash, I guess this is the, uh, studio B. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Studio B, that's right. So I told her we were going to be doing some recording. I said, a uh, uh, guy named Mr. Chris was coming by. And she said, oh, yeah, I guess this is kind of like a uh, a podcast jackpot for you. In other words... It could be very easily, we, right? Well, yeah, well, not only Chris, but we are up here in Crested Butte for... The Mountain Conference, that's right, which is an Alcoholics Anonymous slash Al-Anon conference, mm-hmm. and uh, we have. Very, in fact, I'm going to do a whole podcast on uh, probably covering the the entire uh, conference and my experience here, but uh, nice. we'll talk about that later. So, nonetheless, um, let's get to you, Mr. Chris. You, all right, you are the it. man of the 45 minutes hour. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just
0: want to say I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Sober speak. Oh well, thank Big you. Big fan. A lot of the people um, that I respect a lot have have talked to you about their sobriety, and so I'm I'm honored to be on your
1: on your podcast. I'm so glad you're here, does it, So I know you've listened to episodes before. You've mm-hmm. you've talked about it. Just out of curiosity, does anything stand out from you from some of the others by any chance?
0: Oh yeah, there's a there's a few of them. I think you know the you know that there's the, the the comedy musings of. Oh gosh! Oh, Doug of oh, Doug, yes. Right. Yeah. That
1: is
0: one funny dude.
1: He is something, man. That, right. uh, oh, yeah, that David G. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Steve G. Yeah. A lot of guys I really have a lot right. of respect for.
1: Yeah, you know? a lot of good content laid down. Yeah. And just so you know, I don't know exactly when we're going to be re- releasing this, but we have at least thirty episodes you can go back and listen to at this point. So, all right. So, Mr. Chris. So, uh, Chris mm-hmm. and I. You know, and this is one of those uh, scenarios again where. I know Chris. Uh, he knows me. We've known each other for several years. But okay. many times in a meeting with people sharing three minutes at a time, you just don't get the story behind the story. Right. And I love what you have to share. I love the content. I love the delivery. Um, okay. I love your experience. But I've just never really heard what goes behind that story. Right. So with that being said, um, you, I, I've... You, I just want to let you know that I've heard you talk about your family before, mm-hmm. and I absolutely love it when you talk about mm-hmm. your family. So why don't what you share a by the way, I've been able to share to, uh, – I've been able to relate to both your, your conquest and your – uh, challenges, so to right. speak. And when I say I can relate to them, that means I've had the exact ones. Well, right? I have, right? Absolutely. I remember you once saying something like, I'm so sorry. I created this, right? And I was thinking mm-hmm. in my head, man, I get it, Chris. Absolutely. I I created this, uh, um, you know, and, and, and we all have our challenges. So uh, talk about your family first, and then maybe we'll back up there and, and just take this a step at a time.
0: Yeah, I have two daughters, uh, 24 and 22-year-old daughters. I have a three-year-old grandson from my oldest daughter, um, who is currently my favorite person on the planet. <laughs> and uh, I've been married for 29 years. I'm currently separated. And uh, yeah.
1: Hey, see, I didn't so even you know didn't that. Know hey, hey, right, right. Some exactly. things I,
0: I don't share in a three-minute meeting. Right, <laughs> three right. Three-minute meeting request. But I um, I grew up in Abilene, Texas. Uh, I've lived in the DFW area for 30 years now.
1: So you're a West Texas guy. I am. Yeah. I am.
0: Yeah, I grew up in uh, Abilene. My my uh, Did you go
1: to school out there or anything? I mean, I did. when I say school, mm-hmm. not only uh, I'm assuming Obviously you went high to school. High school, but right. did you go to uh,
0: I Went to Abilene Christian University you for a while. Gotcha. I uh, flunked out of that pretty much. <laughs> not exactly, but I was close and so uh <laughs> uh spent some time in North Texas. After that, I decided a change of scenery would be do me good, and when you
1: uh, say nor- you're talking about the University of North Texas, UNT, that's and right. And for those who who are listening to this and don't know where that is, it's a kind of a north of Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, Dallas, Texas, Denton, Texas. All right, so you went to a UNT, and then how did you make it your way into the Frisco Group? There's, I'm assuming, there's a story behind. There's a story, absolutely.
0: Fast forward. It's funny. i I'm a when I first got to AA in 2010, I thought I was so unique uh, that my story was different than everyone else's, and of course it was, but I'm just a garden variety drunk, that is.
1: And so why don't you go ahead and tell everybody, just so you know, I usually have people identify themselves. Mm-hmm. I forgot on the front end. Mm-hmm. What's your sobriety date, Chris? Uh, 12, 4, 14. 12, 4, 14. So you yep. got to Alcoholics Anonymous in 2010. That's correct. Right. And um, you're a garden variety drunk, and kind of take me from there. What right. do you want to say about that?
0: I just had I suffered from terminal uniqueness, and it and it uh, threatened to kill me. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and
1: you didn't think you were alcoholic, or? Yeah, I, Well, I
0: knew I was alcoholic, oh, but yeah. I, but I didn't think that AA would work for me. Um, I came by AA. I can remember i was 19 years old going to abilene christian university and my mother called me um and let me back up just a little bit there i'm not uh, there's not a whole lot of drunk that's worthwhile but there mm-hmm. is a little bit um my dad was in the air force but his passion was flying airplanes and uh, and so he flew airplanes from the time i could remember um and flew uh, his other passion was um was saving people, you know, uh like from a church perspective, right? Oh, okay, and so, so he was a big missionary guy, and so he would fly missionary oh. trips and things like that. Long story short, uh, he died in an airplane uh, oh, okay. accident when I was 12 years old, and so
1: a lot of and, that. Well, just, you know, I just I'm mm-hmm. curious about that. I oh, yeah, we just recently had somebody on the podcast, uh, Jackie, uh, whose father. Was killed in a plane wreck. Right? It was a midair I did not collision. Know that. Right? Wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is just recently, and now you're the. Yeah. Now I'm talking to I just saw her you. this morning. Yeah. Right. We right. greeted
0: together. Man.
1: Well, you have something in common. Mm. I mean, obviously, you didn't know that. I didn't. So, your dad. So, how did he die in a plane wreck? What happened?
0: Um, there was a. There's a very wealthy family that owns all of the land between abilene and albany texas and uh, they're cattle people obviously when they found oil on it there's they're you know fantastically wealthy uh, and this guy wanted to learn how to fly he happened to find my dad my dad was a was a pilot trainer and so we taught him how to fly uh, and he began to buy aircraft and so uh, the aircraft that he the last aircraft uh, that he bought was a uh, pit special which is a biplane stunt plane and they were they were my dad was teaching me how to uh, fly this stunt plane and there was a the configuration of the stunt plane is there's a front pilot and a back pilot and and you drive it via stick and the the front seat came unhinged and rocked back and hit the back stick and just as they were doing touch and goes this seat came unglued you know came unconnected and slid back and hit the stick and just kind of put them into a into a loop into the ground.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: And so, uh, um, yeah obviously that has an impact. I have three, two older brothers. Uh, one was in college. Was one was on his way to college, and I have a brother that's three years younger than I am. And so,
1: do you uh, remember what that day was like? I'm finding oh, out. It's,
0: yeah, it was. Um, I was shooting. I was shooting off a tennis ball cannon, which um, back in the in that day. Before aluminum cans, you could take the top and the bottom off of Coke cans, and you could tape them together, and they would fit a tennis ball perfectly. Right. And you could put alcohol, or or in my case, you could put my dad's aftershaving in there and light it. And when it would explode, and it would shoot this tennis ball cannon. I can remember it as clear as day that my older brother Greg came running down the road, you know, letting us know that my dad had died, and he'd heard uh-huh. it on the radio.
1: Your yeah, brother heard it on the radio? mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it was, um, it was you know obviously traumatic and unexpected, and um, and so for about three years I just do you kinda remember walked around. just
1: do you, what what about the I'm just always curious like mm-hmm. the the fu- like the hours afterwards and then the funeral.
0: Oh, I was in shock. I was absolutely in shock. One of the things I remember was our our next door neighbor, a lady across the street from us, our neighbor came running and just shoved my face into her massive breasts, and I just thought. Like, this woman's going to suffocate me you know with her big humongous (laughs) boobs you know (laughs) it's it's funny the things that we hang on to right right. but that's just one of the memories and then um, later on that day her husband who i I adore um, we were out in the backyard shooting off these tennis ball cannons and he asked us to not do that and and i felt like you know Nobody asked you guys to show up at my house, you know. I, they, we were upsetting some of the women or some of the you know adults in there by shooting off these cannons, and I was like, nobody asked you to come to my house. Just you know, it's my dad died. If I can do whatever I want to, basically, and so, um, and it was a huge, huge funeral. Um, we went to a fairly large church, and it was packed. Um, you know, my dad was again; he, he was a missionary, and so there were oh, um, lots of people uh, attended his funeral. Um, my mom had been a stay-at-home mom, and so she had to go back to work. Uh, I had, had to actually go back to school first and get a, a, a teaching degree, and so she immediately began to go back to college. and And um, so that left my brother and I with a lot of time on our, you know, alone basically. Uh, my old, my two older brothers were kind of out of the house by then, and so Mark and I, my little brother. Um, and my mom was going to school full time and, 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 um, and so there were a lot of times where during the day there was nobody at our house. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it was a feeling of loneliness compounded by this grief and, and, um, and I had an acute feeling that there was a hole in my, in my heart or my spirit or, you know, the hole that people talk about, right. um, that felt very raw to me for a long time. Um, when I was 15 years old, my older brother Greg bought me a bottle of uh, premixed pina colada, <laughs> a friend of mine, and I drank it, and the hole was filled, and I had found the solution to all that, you know, to feeling like an outsider and to feeling all that grief that I was carrying around with me was just relieved. Um, blacked out, puked. Woke up, couldn't wait to do it again (laughs) (laughs) because I had found a solution for that. And um,
1: did pina colada become your drink of choice, or did you switch? It was a
0: long time before (laughs) I could drink pina colada again. After that first time, it was uh, no, it was it was.
1: Were you singing that song if you like pina colada? Yeah, that was actually
0: a theme song of a of my first girlfriend. Oh, really? Yeah. We don't go. We won't okay, get down that well, rabbit trail, well, man.
1: <laughs> All right, so you, so you have your pina colada mix, right. and then you wake up and you're thinking, ah, I can't wait to do that again. And that's at 15. It. So take me from there.
0: Um, I drank alcoholically from every time I could drink from after that, and and you know, obviously as a 15 year old, you can't. It's difficult to be a daily drinker because my my parents, again, were kind of strictly religious and, and did not have alcohol in the house uh, as a rule. And, and, and you know, our friends and the people that we ran around with were church people as well. And right. so there wasn't a whole lot of alcohol involved. So
1: talk about that, that kind of church background there. Like, in other words, did it stick? Was it something that helped you coming into AA? Was it something that hindered you coming into AA? I'm always curious about people's kind of spiritual background. Yeah.
0: And, you know, I felt like my parents had a genuine relationship with a God of their understanding, but they were unable to pass that on to me. Um, as soon as I could, I was, I rejected the faith of my parents. As soon as I could get out of the house, I rejected the faith of, I mean, I was going to Abilene Christian university and had rejected the faith of my parents. Um,
1: What's it like was, being at something like Evelyn Christian and and not believing in uh, that God? I mean, d- is it
0: d- well? It it just confirms kind of the outsider feeling, right? I mean, I, and it was a confusing thing for me because I this is something that I had been kind of I'd grown up into. I had been a part of my entire life. I should feel like a part of this, yeah, the scene. And I was I did not feel like a part of that scene. It was just. Um, um, I, I, I tell friends, I always felt like I was five minutes late to conversations, you know, when you kind of walk up on a group of people having a conversation and they all seem to know <laughs> something that you don't know about what's going on. And and uh, that's kind of what my life felt like, uh, especially at ACU. I, I just was not, I wasn't that guy. Um, I was really, really depressed my freshman year. I didn't realize it at the time, but um Um, again, alcohol does not, does not benefit depression (laughs) tremendously. No, it doesn't.
1: And my kind of uh, ramps it up a little. bit. Oh, absolutely. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. It's amazing how you can drink a depressant, you know, but did you, why you're depressed?
1: Right. But you weren't putting two or two together. I'm assuming I was an 18 year old kid. I was just,
0: I was running and gunning, you know. Um, but I do remember my mom calling me and, um, I think it was my freshman year and saying that she had started going to Alcoholics Anonymous. Really? And um
1: So did you know that at that time that she had a drifting problem? No clue. Really? I was clueless. What about your brothers? Did they seem to my know My
0: brothers had already started going to Alcoholics Anonymous. Really? Yeah. So I so, had two like older of brothers them? who were in and out of Alcoholics Anonymous. My mom had just started going to Alcoholics Anonymous. And my response to that was there is no way I'm going down that cow path. I am that's not me. I don't I don't care. I'm not following you know that that direction at all.
1: Down that you know. cow path. Now that's a West Texas saying. Right you know here. what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it
0: was just the whole idea of following in their footsteps was not something that I was at all interested in. And and it really that bias against AA.
1: How did you feel that when when you said you were going to did you feel with them, did you feel like uh, they were overreacting, or did you feel like—I uh, mean, what was your reaction to them all going to AA this, at that time?
0: This is the. This goes back to the idea of uniqueness, right? I was different from those people. You know, they were weak. They needed. Got they it. had to have this spiritual solution. I, I didn't need to have a. I was not that weak. I was going to do it my way. It was going to be better. It was going to be, you know, more artistic. I don't know what I thought.
1: You know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit more flair, like yeah, some maybe flair Edgar Allan Poe, or right? Something exactly, like that. Right, something yeah, a little you. more dramatic, yeah. right,
0: than just you know <laughs> sitting in a chair and drinking coffee. <laughs> and and so, um, and even then, I had friends. My sophomore year of college, I was still going to Alvin Christian University, and I had moved off campus, and I had. I was living with the party guys. The difference was when it was time to get things done, these guys could stop and get things done. And I could not stop. And it was a source of frustration and and really embarrassment more than anything else. Oh, so you had
1: some shame involved with it. Oh, uh,
0: you know, these guys are studying for finals and right. I'm trying to, you know, talk them into let's go get, you know, effed up again, right. you know, and because that was. I was incapable of putting a plug in it even for a week, even for finals, you know, and so uh, as a result I had a 1.6 grade point average and I decided that ACU was not for me. You know, I needed to go somewhere a little more with a little more level with a little more, little more liberal arts flair to it and so
1: It's interesting, you have, you and I have something in common. I went to uh, Texas Tech my first semester at a high school and I made a I took nine hours and made a 1.67, and that's tough. All right. yeah, that you know, it's hard tough. to do that. It you is know? hard. But if you work at it,
0: you <laughs> can do it. That's right. I always tell people, I was enrolled at Abilene Christian University. I can't really say I attended Abilene Christian University. <laughs> right. it, I was enrolled, though.
1: It so much helps if you go to class. Yes. All right.
0: It's a huge difference.
1: So you're an Abilene Christian. You're working on your story. You're experiencing some level of shame because you can't put the plug in the jug right. and then—
0: so, of course, the, the answer is a geographic move to Denton, Texas, where my little brother's now going to college. And um, so I tried that for a couple of years with very similar results. Again, a lot of enrollment, not a whole <laughs> lot of attendance. <laughs> at that time, I, I, had, uh, I was working at a, uh, at a restaurant chain called Steak and Ale. Uh, that I just loved, you know.
1: You know, this is so weird, Chris. We don't know this, but I used to work at Steak and Did Ale you? for yeah. many years. Yeah.
0: Yes, many years. Yeah. So I've, I worked at the one in Carrollton, Texas, and um, and I can remember Friday nights making, you know, hundred hundred twenty dollars, mm-hmm. and by the time I got home. Uh, I had $18 left.
1: Got you. Because know? gotcha. you went to the Bennigan's across the Absolutely. street for the uh, Give it all late back. night happy That's right. hour. That's right. I understand that, my friend.
0: And um, at some point I met a, a, a beautiful young lady um, who was just smoking hot and could drink me under the table. <laughs> and I was in love, you know, <laughs> and she said, you don't have to live with your brother anymore. You can let's get married. And I was like, I'm I'm all about it, you know. I need somebody to take care of me anyway. (laughs) That's right. So, uh, I was married when I was 23 my wife was 20 and, and, um, we called her parents and said, we're going to be, we're going to get married in six weeks. And they said, well, are you pregnant? You know, they, they, I guess they just Just expected her to be pregnant and no, she was not pregnant. We didn't have kids for five years and, uh so then I left my little brother's house and moved in. We moved into an apartment together and got married, and and uh, and then we were off to the races.
1: How long was it before you had kids? Five years. Okay.
0: Yeah. And so I was twenty-eight when my first daughter Jordan was born.
1: Gotcha. And then just while we're on that, and then how, and how old was the? How long was it before you had your second child? Uh, they're two years apart. Two years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right. So you got married. Uh, was, did your wife was she a drinker as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Gotcha. I mean,
0: that was our favorite thing to do together. We were drinking buddies okay. first and foremost. Yeah.
1: Wow. So, and did she ever quit drinking?
0: We we both quit many times. Gotcha. For short periods of time, but okay. never, but never for good.
1: Gotcha. All right. So. All right so you're uh you're you're drinking you're having kids you're right. doing the deal right. uh, what significant happened between then and when you got to alcoholics anonymous uh
0: three arrests for DWI every 10 years i would seemingly get arrested for DWI i've i've only been i'm, I'm only on the hook for two of them you know i had a really good attorney the second one <laughs> but uh Two kids. I um, I finally in two thousand went uh, got a got my bachelor's degree. I had kind of given up on on school. I am I am the first generation of of workers who sat in front of a computer and worked for a living, right? And so I kind of was able to ride that that wave of of IT. And and
1: when you say your first computers. first generation
0: in your family, no, first generation in in history. Oh, okay, gotcha, of people gotcha. I'm who, with you. Who right. sat in front of a computer and and typed things for right. A living, Right, we, so,
1: we weren't out being a a, a carpenter or a mechanic right, or working in a retail store. Right, I got gotcha, you. Right. I got gotcha.
0: you. So I was able to for many years just by having experience in that industry, not have not have to. Um, Get a degree, but finally I, you know, I kind of reached a a ceiling and had to go back and got my degree in 2000. And um,
1: I bet it was it was it a different experience this time.
0: Oh yeah, I was paying for it for one thing, right? Yeah. So and I had two children and (laughs) and uh, and I realized that you know there's a lot riding on me being able to hand that you know have that degree. Right. And so yeah, I was. Graduated magna cum laude,
1: hey, wow! Second
0: time out, right? Hey.
1: Yeah, So you know, and I hear this I, I have a very similar experience again. You know, I went back to mm-hmm. school after I got sober, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, though the first experience versus the second experience, mm-hmm. it's amazing what mm-hmm. you do if you actually apply yourself, right? Right. So, all right. So you went back and you got that degree. So, and the reason that's the, that I bring that up is that.
0: That was in May of 2000. I went to celebrate graduating from college and uh, went over to some people's house that I had done a research paper with. Long story short, ended up back home. I had no idea how I'd gotten home. I had somehow left my underwear along the way. (laughs) <laughs> my wife was really upset with me
1: bet she wasn't real happy about and, that and
0: um and and the only thing that i could think of in order to kind of get the heat off was i will go to aa and so my my adult trip into aa began in the summer of 2000 um
1: or 2000 or 2000 or, uh, to, or in no, 2000, no, 2000 okay. um,
0: gotcha um and I lived in a in a small suburb of, of Dallas called the colony and went to the colony group there and um, by that time I understood that I was probably alcoholic uh, it was just something that I was willing to it was a it was an illness I was willing to deal with mm-hmm. I was willing to put up with the consequences I knew that every once in a while something was going to blow up um, and I was okay with that I just it was just price of admission right the price Uh, every once in a while i'm going to do something really stupid (laughs) and um but i i I found a group of men at the The at that group Mm -hmm. and um and they were active in service and Mm. so we would go to treatment centers and and uh one of them had a boat and we'd go out on the boat and you know it was like a little uh, it's like a guy's club you know and so it was um uh, but there was always that kind of lurking notion that someday somehow I was going to be able to drink like a normal person, you know, and, and I was just kind of biding my time until, um, and sure enough, I graduated from Alcoholics Anonymous, got my bachelor's degree in AA and <laughs> thank you very much. I'll take it from here and, uh, and went back to it <laughs> and with, with similar results. I mean, my, my drinking experience was, uh, I was really proud of the fact that I did not drink in the morning. Um. <laughs> I was really proud of the fact that (laughs) that I was a lightweight. I was a five beer guy. You know that was like my sweet spot, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, five beers. My wife could actually drink me under the table, you know, but I was a five beer guy. Um, But it was quickly becoming. It was a you couldn't be my friend unless. You drank, right? You know, I certainly wasn't hanging out with people who didn't drink. Like I, I drank.
1: We know, don't again. trust people who don't drink. Right? No man, yeah. no.
0: There's no. Yeah, there's none of that. So, um, and as a result, even though I had, you know, I was living a a, a middle class dream. I had I had a stable job. I had a wife who was loyal and loved me. I had children. I had friends. My life was just getting grayer and grayer to the point. That the high point in my life or or my day really was was preparing for that first drink um and and more and more all of my planning for my days was around when that first drink was going to happen
1: gotcha let me pause here real quick so just uh we'll we'll continue our conversation with chris you in just a moment just a reminder you were listening to sober speak you can find us on the worldwide interweb. You know, I said that one day, and my wife was listening to these things. She goes, I'm so embarrassed. You said interweb <laughs> on your podcast. I go, I know, I'm just, it's just a joke. But, you know, uh, just so you all know, I really un- I understand it's not the interweb. But you can find us on the worldwide interweb as soberspeak.com. There you will find, like I said earlier, approximately 30 or so other episodes by the time we release Chris's. I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to do it, but it'll be 30 plus. You can also find the donate button on the website, which you can utilize if you're moved to do such, but no big deal if not. Please keep in mind this podcast is funded by you, the listener. Soberspeak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to in any uh, we do not wish to engage in any controversy neither endorse nor oppose any causes now back to mr chris you okay so you were always thinking about that first drink right and had a plan for it right take me from there
0: it was um it was a bass baff- it became a baffling aspect of my life i had um I could apply my will to just about everything that I wanted to. You know, I had small children. You can you can make them do what you want them to do, you know, when they're small. Uh, and so...
1: And it sounds like you had had some success with your I, yeah, career as absolutely. well. I had a successful stable career. Stable job.
0: Yeah, stable job. I lived in a small town, mm-hmm. suburb of Dallas. And mm-hmm. so had the benefits of the small town with the benefits of the large town mm-hmm. as well. And so I'd set it up pretty well. Um but it was, uh, my drinking became Russian roulette with, and, and every once in a while something would blow up and I would drive home in a blackout or I would, uh, scare my children or I would, um, be inappropriate with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, it was just a price that I was willing to pay for not having to face the fact that I was drinking alcoholically. Um,
1: And so this was going on, it sounds like, from 2010 to 2014? I would say
0: the time period is 2003 to 2010. I was sober for a couple of years um, uh, at the colony group and then graduated. And um, and by this time, um, I had started visiting the Frisco group. Um, I would do something stupid, and I would feel bad about it, and I would go to the the Frisco Group, and
1: at the time, was that to get the heat off, or was that
0: to? It was becoming a combination of getting the heat off and also just looking for answers. Right to uh, I wasn't really, I wasn't ready for to have people tell me what to do yet. But I was, I was, I was becoming more and more interested in how you kept from <laughs> from blowing things up on a you know on a six week cycle. You know, Rounded. and the cycles would get we compressing compressing. Right, you know, it was getting. You know, at first it was every couple of months, right. and then it was every seven weeks, then every six weeks, <laughs> and it was beginning to compress. And and I was having a hard time um, having any zeal for life. I was I was really not interested in working, which which did not please my employers very very much. Uh, you know, I wanted to minimize my work time.
1: Would you describe um, yourself as depressed during this time as well? Oh, definitely yeah, bouts of depression. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Um,
0: and it's funny. I read through the big book, um, and it talks about all the ways that we that we try to manage our drinking. Um, and I could add to that list a few things, but I have certainly done each one of those, including natural wines. You know, I thought at one point, you know, <laughs> natural wines. Natural wines. That's that's the trick right there. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> organic.
0: That's right. Organic. Everything's got to be organic. That's right. But um, in two thousand and ten. It was a summer night, just like any other summer night. I drank a six, I bought a six pack because, again, I'm a five beer guy, right? Yeah. Um, I was coming back from the lake with some friends and uh, got pulled over uh, at about twelve forty five at night. Uh, went to jail in Carrollton, charged with it with my third DWI. Yeah. And I woke up and. Um, Something broke. I just knew that nothing was going to change unless something changed, and so there was a a window of willingness mm-hmm. that had not been there before. I had been humiliated to the point where I was willing to be honest and open minded.
1: who uh, got you out of jail? Julie you... my wife did got gotcha. you Yes, I bet that was a fun meeting
0: it was a It was a pretty dark place I have I to bet. tell you, right, yeah. It's a pretty dark place
1: Okay, so that's in 2010 mm-hmm. uh, You had your second DWI And then your sobriety day is 2014 Is what you said, right?
0: Yes, because they legalized marijuana In ah, Denver Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a little blip <laughs>
1: <laughs> I understand. Okay, so you haven't. So you. My
0: last drink was July twenty fourth, two thousand ten. But that is not my sobriety. July
1: twenty fourth.
0: Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that's two actually days.
1: My uh, my wife's sobriety day. Is it really? It sure is.
0: Wow. The things we have in common, John. Yes, we should have right. spoken before. And by before. the way,
1: when you were working at steak and ale, did you wear those uh, uh shirts that have those little puffy shoulders? Yes, on them? man. I love those yeah, shirts. Yeah, little King Arthur type shirts I'm all about that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm, so, Princess. Yeah, that was like, the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, all right, so, so 2010, you, so you came into Alcoholics Anonymous, like you got looks like you got a little bit more serious. Did you get a sponsor? Worth the steps? Absolutely. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Barry, who now is now at the Frost, uh, Prosper Group, is my, is my sponsor and uh, started going through the book immediately. Uh, and again, I'll never forget. I'll never forget seeing the, the phrase restless, irritable, and discontented.
1: The RIDS, as they that, call it, R-I-D.
0: That, that explained my entire waking existence in three words. Um, and once I saw that, I knew that this book had something for me in it. Um, you know, up, up to that point, I was interested in the doctor's opinion. But once I had seen restless, irritable, and discontented, I had thought... These guys
1: know what they're talking. They
0: know about. my story, right. right? And so they've been um,
1: reading my mail. They
0: have. They had been reading my mail, and and um, uh, I'm so grateful for the the people at the Frisco Group because um, they were happy that I had I had been kind of again I'd been rolling in and out of there for for seven years after after kind of graduating from AA the first time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they were always happy to see me, and so I felt like I was at home. I felt like I could, I, you know, it felt like family. Right. And um, and they loved me until I could love myself.
1: So take me to this point to where, and I think a lot of people could relate to this. This uh, blip on the radar, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, uh, the marijuana maintenance program. Right, right. Yeah. And so, like you said, it's legal, right? So I've been, I've
0: been sober for four years, and and. Um, marijuana had always been part of my story, uh, mm-hmm. and marijuana really was the was my first love.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, alcohol got the job done, but I loved marijuana, mm-hmm. uh, and so. Um, I had under I, I had a. Full and here
1: we are in Colorado oh, with yeah. all the dispensaries every, every all around. Every fifteen feet, us. <laughs> in Denver, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've had to explain that to to our kids while we we're driving up here to uh, uh, to Crested Butte, they're mm-hmm. they like, "Well, I thought that was illegal." Well, in yeah, some it's, states, it's complex. <laughs> yeah, right? it's very complex. Well, there's federal land
0: out here where it's a felony. It's, it's,
1: <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. Didn't crazy. even know that. Yeah. All right. So, so it had always been kind of one of your first love, so to speak. And uh, I mean, take me through that, that dance you had in your mind of thinking, should I, should I not?
0: You know, it's funny. um, I was excited about walking into a a dispensary like, like an adult and having an adult conversation about, I thought it was, would be really interesting. I had no intention of buying any, but you know, since I'm there. And
1: where were you, where was the dispensary?
0: This was in Denver.
1: Oh, it's oh, I'm sorry. So yeah. you're
0: in Denver. I, was, I had gone to Denver to go skiing gotcha. and uh and and it was legal in Denver. Right. And so um
1: so you walked into I the in. I just I just
0: walked in to check it out. Yeah. Right,
1: and you know, and I have done that once mm-hmm. before. I, you know, yeah, it's and not
0: recommended. It's no, no, no. It's yeah, a really I don't, amazing. Smell. I don't
1: think I'm going back. <laughs> yeah, but the smell, and I'll never forget. They had they had signs on the wall that uh, they said basically, how do you want to feel today? Right, and one was mellow. One was like uh, uh, energetic. I think they mm-hmm, had up there, mm-hmm. and one I forget there was a third feeling right, they had right. Right. and none of them were bad by the way no they're Yeah, positive so it's like mcdonald's you know do you want the number one two or three how do you <laughs> exactly, want to feel today exactly. you know? and i thought oh my goodness exactly um i, I said hey can i take some uh, pictures in here they said yeah as long as you don't get any people in it i said okay i took a few pictures i uh, sent them to a couple mm-hmm. friends but nonetheless uh okay yeah. so you're in the dispensary you're looking around mm-hmm. take me from there.
0: Um, Having the conversation, how do you want to feel today? You know, uh, would you like to? We have high CBD, we have high THC, uh, and, uh, uh, and and my my choice was, uh, you know, I always like to smoke it, and so I bought some flour, and and uh, my intention was to give it to uh, a couple that my wife and I knew were hosting us in their condo. Ah. And my my intent was to give it to him as a gift because I knew that he was uh, he was uh, enjoyed it. He part right. two, right, right. Uh, but that was not how it turned <laughs> out. <laughs> turned out, turned out. I that was me. Uh, and and so it was a it was a weekend long thing. And um, my Do you experience remember? was yeah. Go yeah ahead. My experience was that um, it was taking up room in my head. Mm-hmm. Just like alcohol did, and mm-hmm. just like marijuana did before I got sober, uh, and that's and that is a red flag to me today. That I begin to justify, I begin to plan, I begin to think about, you know, how would I justify this in my own mind? And it's a medicinal thing, and and um, and again, I have no problem with alcohol in general. I have no problem with marijuana in general. I think it should be legal, um, but for me. Um I have an addictive personality. I have a I have a history of di- of addiction to both alcohol and, and marijuana and I I just can't use it safely right. or affect, you know. Right. Um it is it becomes a question of what time of day is it going to is it going to happen, not if it's going to happen right. or what I, is there a do I have a reason for
1: Right. No, it's yeah. what time. <laughs> yeah. The reason is it's that I, time I'm of awake, day. I'm right? awake. Right. I'm awake and I'm ready. <laughs> right. So, okay, so I, I'm going to – I'm a little reticent to ask this question mm-hmm. uh, because I, I know this is not your story, but it is your story in some form or fashion. You mentioned that you're, you're – and and if this is not something you want to answer or go through on the podcast, I completely understand, right? right edit
0: but it you, out. What's that? We can edit it
1: out. Yeah, we can okay. edit it out. Or you can just say, I don't want to discuss that. So, so you said your wife could – drink you under the table at certain Mm -hmm. points Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm just curious so she never is um she's still drinking today do you know yeah okay yeah
0: yeah um my wife quit drinking with me in 2000 and um was not interested in going through that again in 2010
1: gotcha okay
0: and so um and it really became a uh a barrier to, in our relationship. Okay. And, and it expressed itself through me as me being resentful about a thousand tiny things that all kind of boiled up to, you know, I'm trying to be sober and you're not. I get you. Okay.
1: Enough said. Yeah, I, I can I can imagine. I can only imagine. So. All right, so what else do you want to say about sobriety? I mean, you know, yeah. uh, you know what I want to do with you here? Or was there something you wanted to say? No. Okay. I have... Okay, I have a, what, you, what I call a, uh, uh, I have a spinning wheel, okay, that I play with people sometimes, okay, <laughs> and, and you can either pick a topic or a step, and it spins, and then we randomly get to talk about, I say oh, we, let's do, you get to talk about, it. So, let's do that. so do you want a topic or a step, Topic. I have twelve topics and twelve steps. Obviously, let's do, let's do a uh, let's do a step. Let's do a step. Okay, so we're gonna go over the spin wheel here, and you will hear it spinning just for. Uh, okay, I'm gonna keep it by me just so I can see it all. Are you ready?
0: Ready. Ooh.
1: Yep. You see it spinning Ooh. at random. It'll land on something just like Wheel of Fortune. I kind of feel like Van White when I'm doing that. You kind of look like Van White. Do Vanna I look Vanna like Van White? White? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right. So we are landed on step. 3. Ooh. Yes. Good one. Yes. Uh, let's let's talk about step 3. So, um, made a decision, for those of you listening who may not know what step three is, step three through the Alcoholics Anonymous program is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that particular topic, topic Chris, mm-hmm. what comes to mind for you?
0: Well, again, I grew up in a religious background, and so the God that I brought into the rooms with me was mad at me. Um, and I really felt like if I turned my will and my life over to the God of my understanding at that time, there would be a tsunami of consequences that I thought I had neatly evaded.
1: And uh, I like how you put that. There would be a tsunami of consequences mm-hmm. that you thought you had neatly evaded. Yeah, it well, was,
0: um, I was going to get jobbed, you know. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who know Job in the Bible, Job is a he's a decent guy, He's going about his business. God's prospered him, and then he lets the the devil just tear him into pieces, and he ends up scraping boils off of him himself with the uh, you know with with pottery shards in the you know in the in the heap in the trash heap. So you he thought That's, you were going to get Jobed? I, that was really that was the that, that was my expectation, and so I was really not happy with the idea of that. <laughs> it's funny. Um one of the tenets of Alcoholics Anonymous is why don't you come up with a God of your understand of your mm-hmm. own understanding? And mm-hmm. so um I had a sponsor who led me through the process of why don't you, you know, build your own God? And uh that came across to me as sacrilegious. Right. But I did anyway. Mm-hmm. And
1: um On the back end, are you glad that Oh,
0: absolutely, man! I needed a new God—the God that I, my God, was lived in a little tiny box, right. and um, you could,
1: you could see the edges and the boundaries. all
0: parameters were exposed. Right, right. <laughs> there was nothing mysterious about it. Uh, today, I firmly believe that the part of me that is me is of God and for God. And that there is no separation between my human experience and the God of my understanding that they're one and the same mm-hmm. that I 'm not saying that I am God, I but understand. I am made of God wow. and I 'm of God and um, that's not the religious up you know that's not what i heard at least when I was growing up and um, very comforting to me. Um, and through experience, my first experience was asking God to keep me sober for a day and at working, and I've just built on on it from there. How about um, that. And my experience today is the God of my understanding is ultimately trustworthy, and I can I can give the God of my understanding today anything, and feel confident that it's going to be taken care of. Now, rarely. Is it taken care of the way I think it should be taken <laughs> right, care of, right, I or in the time that I think it should be taken care of? <laughs> right. But it, it's always taken care of in a in a, um, in a way that's probably best—not for me, but just for the for the universe in general. <laughs> right. And so, um, but that was not something that I could just decide. Uh, that was something that I had to experience on an ongoing basis for, a, you know, for a, for a little while and and just trusting my God. And there were times that I in my sobriety where I was kind of like um, Conan, you know, either you help me or we're done, you know, being buddies, you know, and <laughs> and um, my God has um, has always come through. Always. It's weird. I did not expect that you know ninety nine maybe four nines three nines yeah a one hundred percent no right. I was not expecting that
1: very cool, well, Chris, I have so much enjoyed having you here thanks for having me john yeah yeah it's uh it's it's been a pleasure and uh you know with this backdrop, even as you're talking, I'm looking out at at mm-hmm. those uh Aspen trees, right? Is yes, that what they're called? Yes, beautiful aspen. And, uh, you know, this has been a good experience. Uh, you will always, to me, be remembered as, number one, just having a good experience with you uh, recording this. And then my first uh, away from, what would you call it? Studio, Studio B. B. Here we go. here <laughs> in Studio B. <laughs> okay, my friend. You would
0: like to thank the producers?
1: Yeah yeah and everybody involved the Sound with engineers. This. yeah 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 hey you guys can all yeah. go take a break now thanks, we're, makeup. we're almost yeah makeup <laughs> and you know what my my daughter was right this was the podcast jackpot because i found is. you here at this uh thanks, conference and we were able to get this recorded so anyway god bless you my friend thanks for coming into the studio b and we shall talk to you soon all sounds right sounds good bye-bye Hey everybody, John M. here. Uh, That was Chris. You uh, really did enjoy spending time with him and getting in to know him a little bit better up in the mountains of Colorado. Uh, But as I promised on the beginning of this episode, wanted to provide you some uh, listener feedback. Uh, Thank you for everybody who has written in uh, and or called in. Um, I really do appreciate it. Uh, This first piece of listener feedback is from uh, Vicki. It says, hey there, JM. I am such a big fan of your podcast with a little exclamation point. Uh, And It says, I was listening to you and Gavin. Gavin is one of our uh, previous episodes. uh, If you want to go back and listen to him, but I was listening to you and Gavin this morning and you mentioned the meditation app Insight Timer. I use this app every day and love it. Uh, tell me what you spoke of in the podcast. I want to check it out. Hope, this, hope all is well with you. And that's from uh, Vicki. And so she was referring to a, uh, a particular um, podcast, excuse me, a particular uh, session within the inside Timer that I uh, listen to on a consistent basis. It is a step-step. A, a uh, uh it, it is, it is step-related, I guess, first step, 11th step, whatever you want to call that. And uh, I do that many times. If anybody wants to know what that is, feel free to write in to me, and I'll be glad to respond to you. Uh, Dave writes in. He says, hi there. I stumbled across your podcast today, and I'm really enjoying it. I came across it by just searching, quote, Sober. I need a little motivation during the day sometimes, and I just try out different podcasts. I like your line of questioning, keying into the different areas of how people came to realize they were alcoholics. I'm always astonished at how the core components of our stories match. Um, I'm in, and I'll leave out the place where he's in, but I'm 78 days sober. Thanks to God and Alcoholics Anonymous. Resources like yours are great substitutes for when I'm too swamped at work to get a chance to get to a meeting. Um, I'm also in school and I drive a bit for class. I'm looking forward to tuning in. Thanks for your work and keep it. Up. Well, thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate it. Uh, your email, as many of these emails when I get them during the day, made my day. Uh, uh, this is a labor of love. Uh, I really enjoy doing it. And hopefully, we're touching somebody somewhere out there in this great land of ours. And finally, uh, from uh, Caitlin, Caitlin wrote in, said, I've listened to all the podcasts so far and I absolutely love them. My favorite so far, all are Michelle D, Don C, and Jenny K. And she says, It would be awesome to hear your story on Sober Speak sometime with an exclamation point. I have caught bits and pieces from your interviews with other people, but it would be cool to know what the host story is too. Just the thought, smiley face. I hope you have a great day, sincerely, Caitlin. Well, Someday, somehow, uh, possibly that will uh, take place. But uh, as I have said before, uh, my uh, calling, at least at this point, is to provide a platform for uh, great stories like the other folks that you have heard. Uh, But you know, you never can tell. One day, maybe I'll give up the control, let somebody set at this other mic here, and I will tell my story. But anyway, uh, God bless all of you. Thank you for tuning in to Sober Speak. Uh, hope our paths will cross either uh, virtually or physically one day soon. Bye-bye now.